Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievman, and we are with you here live in the studio. It's great to be with you here once again. Ladies and gents, my dear friends, you all know that I run the Chabad Seniors programs, and every day at Chabad House we have great programs and activities for the elderly. So, my dear Babas and Zaydas, if you are recently retired or retired a long time ago, I really want to encourage you to come join us at Chabad House and what I try to do here on a Thursday is to give you a little taste of what we're going to be discussing during the week. The truth is, even if you're not retired, I think that what we learn and discuss about at Chabad House is of vital value, of instrumental significance, importance to every single person. Speaking of instruments, this week we're planning to be talking about music in honor of Rosh Chodesh Adar. We have a action-packed week ahead. So as you all know, I mean, we've been just listening to the live, to, well, not the live, but to the music playing here. It was, it was vibrant. It was dynamic. It was getting us tapping and dancing. And that's one of the things we want to do because this Shabbos is Shabbos Mavarchim, the Shabbos in which we bless the month of Adar. So let me just tell you what's in store for this coming week because every day at Chabad Seniors Club, we really try to uplift the minds, bodies, and souls of seniors. Feed the mind, bodies, and souls. So if you come in the morning, we got coffee, tea, and refreshments for you every morning at Chabad House in Savoy. And then at 9.30 on a Monday morning, we have memory class. We have cognitive activities, brain games to keep the mind going and flowing. And that's with occupational therapist Cynthia Lips. She is a professional in her field. She's outstanding. And everyone's welcome, whether one is feeling like me sometimes with a little bit of brain block and we just need to clean it up and jog our memory and get things, you know, try to remember things. If a person is struggling with dementia, we can't promise to reverse it, but certainly this can stave it off because by attending Cynthia's sessions, you are able to apply your mind and keep the brain exercised. Like any muscle, the brain is such that the more you exercise it, the better it's used and the better shape it will be in. So join us on Monday mornings, 9.30 to 10.15. We have brain exercise memory class with occupational therapist Cynthia Lipts. After that, yours truly will be giving a shear, and we're in the middle of our Booksmart series. And this week in the Booksmart series, we're going to be looking at the Medrash. What is the Medrash? How are the details of Torah law and the other Oral Torah teachings, you might recall we talked about some of these a couple of weeks back here on Chai FM. And that's what we've been spending some time at Chabad House, is delving into different genres of Jewish literature and understanding what the difference is between the written Torah, the oral Torah, how the orals derived, legislated, learned from the written. Why does the Medrash, in fact, contain so many strange and seemingly fantastical hyperbole uh, narratives that that seem to be a little bit outlandish. So I think you would enjoy this, and I wish you come join us if you come to the sessions in which we'll be having these classes. First of all, it's interactive. You can ask questions. No question is off limits. All questions are welcome. We also have videos and PowerPoint slides. We give you texts to follow along with. And you learn about the different types of midrashim. You may have heard the term midrash used before, but you wonder what it's about the various works that belong to this genre of Torah literature, and you'd be quite surprised to find out how many works of Torah literature fall into this category called Medrash. And by actually studying together, I know it sounds a little scary studying, it's sort of like back to school, but this time it's just cool, because there's no pressure, 
It's just a pleasure. And when you study, we're going to do a variety of texts that give you a sample of what the Medrash looks like. And don't worry, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll look at the Talmud and we'll look at, oh, sorry, the Mishnah before the Talmud. We'll look at Halacha and Kabbalah. I'm going to give you texts of all the different genres of Jewish literature. So you actually have an opportunity to taste and sample what the teachings of Judaism are like. And it's quite fascinating. And you'll get a chance to actually look at some Midrashim, some passages of the Midrash, and you'll look under the hood of the Torah exegesis process called Drush. And you'll see how the multiple layers of meaning that are contained within a verse of the written Torah of Tanakh and how it's how it's excavated and how it's expounded upon. That's what Medrash is. It's an exposition on the Torah. And when we explore these esoteric, mysterious Midrashic teachings, you really get, like I did, an appreciation of how these seemingly fantastical parables and narratives, these metaphors that are employed by the Medrash, actually communicate these profound philosophical, mystical ideas of Judaism. So we're going to ask that question, what is the Medrash? And we have a wonderful video that will show you what the term Medrash, what Medrash is, how it it describes the process, the methodologies by which the various layers of meaning are extracted from the biblical texts and how it's a general name actually for a number of works that include a variety of Midrashic teachings. There are so many, and it is so fascinating. And the only way you'll truly appreciate and understand it is if you join us in person for that shir. Once we get a proper understanding of what the Midrash is, then I want to give you some samples of the different types of Midrashim. So, for example, there's Halachic Midrash and there is Agadic Midrash. Midrash, in general, the Midrashic literature falls under these two categories, halacha and agada. Halacha is the the laws, the halachic side that governs the observance of the mitzvahs. And that's actually derived from the written text of the Torah of Tanakh. And then you have the agada, which is the non-halachic areas of Medrash. That's talking about the ethical, the moral, the philosophical, the mystical teachings, the various parables and metaphors, and even historical narratives of our ancestors that are not explicitly written in the Torah. How do we know about Avraham and Sarah's life? You know, the Torah tells us they were born, and boom, they're 75 years old. Well, I mean, <laughs> um, um, only half their age, and there's a lot that's gone and transpired on in my life in the past, you know, half that time. So we need to know what happened then. The Torah doesn't tell us explicitly, but it's the Medrash that actually fills us some of those details, the stories uh, from the lives of our sages, the biblical figures. And we're going to get a chance to review a few examples of these different types of Midrashim so you could get a taste, the flavor to appreciate these things. And I really think you will enjoy that. Once we do that, our plan is to get, you know, the, to understand, although the term Medrash is sometimes applied more loosely to a wide range of teachings that expound the Torah, but the term more properly applied to these teachings that are quoted by the sages of the Mishnah and the Talmudic periods, which are considered to be more authoritative than those that are later generations. So we'll understand the various terminologies, what's a Rishon, what's an Acharon. I mean, if this sounds like 
Japanese and Chinese to you, you might want to come and attend and understand what we're talking about, the an overview of the various works of the Medrash and who their authors were and what their points and purposes were. So that's something. And then we'll go into actual stories and parables and some of the mystical secrets. The Medrash contains so many, you know, many of the mystical secrets of the Torah. And this is particularly the case with the stories and parables of the Agada, which encapsulate ideas that are too abstract and too complex to communicate by direct teaching. And so what we intend to do over the next little while, if you join us for these sessions, is that we're going to look at examples of the esoteric Midrashic narratives. Again, I don't intend it to be a boring you know, sometimes you say mysticism and you think of certain individuals who get excited about that. I think everyone would appreciate it and will understand the, the, the cosmic battle of the angels over the creation of a human being as an example of one of the midrashic works that, although it seems mystical and peculiar, gives you a taste and understanding. And there's a central component of oral Torah and the teachings. Moses gave us the Torah at Mount Sinai. And there's a set of rules described in that we actually read in, in, in our prayers each morning. It's interesting because it's not a prayer, but it's an understanding of how the Torah is expounded. And before we pray each morning, we actually recite that. And it gives us the idea of how to deduce laws from the Torah and how to expound on laws from the Torah and the laws of association and alternate readings and understanding how that's done. So I think that will be a worthwhile class for you to participate to understand how do the sages legislate Jewish laws? Where do they get these ideas from? And one example of logical deduction is what they call in English a fortiori argument. That, you know, if, if A is the case, then B is certainly the case. Yes, this is like a, a corollary of this argument is what's called dayo. It's enough. It's a certain rule in Talmud which says that if case B is derived from case A, then the derived law cannot be stronger than the source law. So we're going to give you a taste in text study, you know, in text study, when we're going to actually look at the texts and understand, and we have an example of a roadside assistance law that actually is in this week's Parsha, where we learn about Kitira Chamer Sanech, when you see the donkey of your enemy that is struggling with its load and you don't want to assist it, well, I'm not going to give it away. Come join us in the in-person classes and you will really walk away with a deeper appreciation and understanding of how Talmudic law is determined and decided. So if you were ever afraid of Talmud, then this series is for you to experience. Don't worry, we won't be stuck only on Talmud. We will be moving into other areas. In fact, this week we're not even getting to Talmud. But in order to get to Talmud or even Medrash, we need to understand how these laws, how these rules um are how to derive from the wording and even the spelling of the written text in the Torah. So we're going to see how certain details of the various laws in Torah, how they apply to other laws, the various methods of deduction. And I think if you really want to appreciate and understand how that works, then join us at the Chabad Seniors Club any morning from 10.15 till 11.30 after the morning exercises, and you will get a chance. Now, there's a few more things 
just, I think I've taken you through quite a bit of what we plan to discuss in the coming week. So let me just tell you what else we do. And actually, since we had some good music playing earlier, I want to tell you a little bit about the plan for music this week. But just to go back a second, on a Tuesday morning, we actually, oh, Monday afternoons, I forgot about that. We actually have lunch every day, delicious lunch. And if you come to our seniors program, you are welcome to join us for lunch. So nobody could ever say there's no such thing as a free lunch. Of course, there's a free lunch at the Chabad Seniors Club. But the truth is, it's only free if you attend the shear. So come first for the shear and enjoy the lunch. Remember, you could have the brain games, memory class in the morning, followed by the shear, which I just described a little bit to you. And there's a lot more to learn at these classes where we're going through Jewish literature and understanding the history and the methodologies of it. And then there is a delicious lunch followed by art therapy on a Monday from 1 to 3 p.m. with Kim Abadi. She's an art therapist and she does amazing work with all the seniors who attend. It's incredible because you actually currently the project is doing a family tree. So if you ever wanted to do that project, tracing your family's history, this is a perfect opportunity to do that. Of course, this is all about keeping mind, body, and soul occupied every day. So on a Tuesday before the shiur, we have what is uh, chair yoga, it's called. We have Dr. Helen Kennedy who comes into Chabaras and she does with the participants in your chair various stretches and breathing exercises to help you keep fit and stay healthy. So that's chair yoga. We also have on a Tuesday afternoon after the shear on lunch, Dr. Adam Stern, all the way from London, and he's here from the UK for the next couple of months. And the series he's doing with all participants is medical Q&A for senior citizens. So this past week, he talked about blood pressure, all questions anyone wanted to know about their blood pressure, how to adjust it, how to test it, how to see if they can improve it. Those were all addressed in the class. He first gives about a half-hour presentation, and that is followed by questions and answers, His your questions, his answers. And this week, please God, or this coming week, on Tuesday, if you join us at Chabad House, we will have, he's going to talk about sleep, sleep deprivation, how much ideal sleep one should be getting as they get older, and different methodologies of improving one's sleep. So I really want to encourage you to come for that class. And let me tell you what I have in store as well, something very interesting, because it is going to be Rosh Chodesh Adar on Tuesday and Wednesday. We know our sages tell us, Mishanichnas Adar, Marbim Basimcha, when the month of Adar comes, we increase in joy. So, in fact, I say, Mishanichnas, our door, Marbim Basimcha, when you walk through our doors, you are already happier, because our motto at Chabad Seniors is less oi, more joy. So no doubt, we want to do things to increase the joy in your life. And one of the ways of doing that is we're going to have a special music presentation this week. And that is we know that Jews have been generating songs and playing instruments as a self-expression and in worship of God since the very birth of our people, going all the way back to our patriarchs and matriarchs who composed various psalms and prayers and songs. And our ancient tradition tells us that, in fact, Avraham Avinu, the very first Jew, he composed poetic songs that conveyed his love for the one above, for Almighty God. And he had various prayers and, and this rhythmic elegy. Um, in fact, the Torah tells us that after Sarah, Sarah Yimeno passed away, Avraham Avinu eulogized her. And the Gemara tells us that he sang an ode to Sarah after her passing. So certainly 
we see that throughout Jewish history, song, both the solemn type as well as the most joyous, they all play a tremendous role in the Jewish way of life. Think about uh, two weeks ago in the Parsha when God led our ancestors after the liberation, after their emancipation from slavery in Egypt, and they're walking through the parted waters of the Red Sea, Kriyat Yamsuf. What happened? Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses led the people, our ancestors, in a synchronized song. And in fact, the Torah tells us that Miriam led the women in music and, and they were dancing and singing and played with their tambourines, all to praise and thank God for their miraculous salvation, their rescue from their from their slavery. So there's so much. Think of King David, heroic King David, who authored the book of Tehillim. And he's referred to in our scriptures as Naim Zemirat Yisrael, the sweet singer of Israel. So throughout Jewish history, song has played a major role. So while we are taking our journey throughout the various genres of Jewish literature, we certainly have to pay attention to music as well. Because Jewish appreciation for music is one that has always been a highlight of the Jewish way of life and our prayers and our meals. You think about the Hasidic lifestyle as myself, a Chabad rabbi and growing up in the courtyard of the Rebbe. And, and my father who grew up in the 1930s and 40s in Soviet Russia describing to me what the Hasidic Nagunim of Eastern Europe and what it was like singing those songs. My grandfather was a cantor, a chazan in the city of Bells back in Galicia. And the Hasidic lifestyle really amplified the importance of song in Judaism. It, it infused melody, the, the nigunim, the songs, the, 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 this whole genre of Jewish music with this whole profound spiritual depth. And naturally, of course, Hasidim have a unique brand of music. And there are certainly hundreds of powerful Hasidic nigunim, various melodies of the Hasidic genre of music. Of course, some of them are adapted songs as well that the Hasidim learned from other, from other circles and felt that this had a deep penetrating message. The Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi, who was the founder of the Chabad Hasidic movement, he taught us that while the tongue is the quill of the heart, song is the quill of the soul. Our words we know are important. They allow us to communicate the invisible contents of our minds and our emotions, but our souls are deepest depths that require song in order to share soul thoughts and soul feelings. And my friends, that's the idea of nigun, of a melody that, that transports us into the world of the soul. And it's something that I really would like to give the participants of our Chabad Seniors Club, a taste of next week. So if you join us on Tuesday, Wednesday, one of the two, please God will have a musician to play for us some beautiful Jewish music and to awaken our souls in that sense. The, the story comes to mind, you know, Rabbi Yisrael Taub, who was known as the Majitz Rebbe. He was born in 1849, I think in Russia. And he was very famous as a renowned as a composer and singer, many, many nigunim, soul-storing nigunim of the, of the Majit's style of, of Hasidim, of Hasidism. And many of his, you know, his, his melodies were so powerful that people, you know, 
his audience would find themselves transported into an entirely different, higher plane of existence. The story goes that unfortunately, Rabbi Taub, in his, later on in his life, he suffered from diabetes. And in his later years, there was severe gangrene to the extent that in 1913, I mean, he, he lived from 1849 to 1920. So this is quite a bit, you know, in his more advanced years, his doctors wanted to amputate one of his legs. So he was going for a second opinion and he traveled to Berlin for expert medical advice. And the experts concurred. They, they, they felt that amputation was essential for his survival. But they faced the dilemma. You know, amputation had to be had to be done, as we know, in a in a, sedate, a sedated state. The patient had to be sedated, and Rabbi Taub's delicate state of health at the time meant that sedation for him could have been fatal. And the reason I'm telling you the story is because at the end, Rabbi Taub found he found his own solution. He told the doctors that if he could sink throughout the surgery. He would enter a state of melodic meditation and he wouldn't feel a thing. And so, although the surgeons were skeptical, they had no other option really, and they agreed. And to their amazement, they completed the entire surgery without sedating him, and he remained deeply engrossed in the sweetest of songs. And the doctors, they later complimented him for singing instead of screaming. But the Majid Sareb, the holy man that he was, he explained that he felt and saw nothing. He didn't f- see the surgeons. He didn't feel the surgery. His delightful, soulful melody had successfully transported him to another plane of existence that he was able to be in a completely different state. And do you see the power of a niggin? It's more than a tune. It's this immersive experience. And that's what we're going to do. Please, God, if you join us on Tuesday with our soulful melodies where our intention is to take a few beautiful nagunim and to examine their background and understand the message behind them and to give us a better appreciation of the message of behind those songs, not only intellectually, but also spiritually and emotionally. And we'll learn a few nagunim with a musician, please God, that will allow us to, you know, allow the, the, the songs to percolate from soul to our mind, from our mind to our heart and from our heart to reality, that we could really enhance our life experience and enter the state, the mode of the month of Adar, the month of joy. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Hi FM, I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievan. Great to be with you here. On this wonderful afternoon, Thursday, getting ready for Shabbos, and it's Shabbos Mavorchim Adar. And the month of Adar, we know, is a time for increased joy and celebration. So today we're talking a little bit about another way to add joy to your life. If you join us on Tuesday and Wednesday at Chabad Seniors Club, we will be adding some more joy to your life. We're going to be having a special musical program and we would like you to be part of it. Come join us at Chabad Seniors Club. You know, there's a story told about a king ruled over vast territories with wisdom and compassion and sensitivity and care. And one day he summoned his son, the crown prince, into his chamber. And he told him that, I'm very sorry, my boy, young prince, but you can no longer live here in the palace. 
And the king explained that he was instructing his son, the prince, this young man, to go and travel to a distant province in his vast kingdom. The people in that province were crude peasants, little sophistication that they had or appreciation of the niceties, the luxuries, the deluxe lifestyle that the prince was used to in the palace, palatial mansion, as you can imagine what that experience was like. But there was no choice. The prince had to travel and he had to remain there until he would get the message that the king had sent for him to return. You can imagine the the devastation that this child, the son, the prince felt. He was crushed. Here he's born in the lap of luxury. He's accustomed to all the trappings of royalty. And now he's dispatched to this distant province where his majesty was unknown, where he would be forced to live among, amongst these unkosh peasants. And his heart was filled with pain. You know, this kid, he was broken. He was shedding tears, bitter tears. Now, I'm sure we could all relate to the prince's fear, to his pain. You ever started a new job, maybe moved to a new neighborhood, maybe the joy of becoming a new parent, but it comes with trepidation. Many of these are good experiences, but they come with some stress and anxiety, moving to a new home. We don't want to break away from our comfort zone, from what we know. Like the prince, there's a part of us that wants to remain in our familiar box where everything is comfortable, where life is leka susakreka, where there's no worries. It's just what we know, what we're familiar with. But let's think about the story. Let me tell you what happened. The prince listened to his father. He obeyed his father's command and he traveled to that distant province. Life was difficult there. Definitely wasn't easy. But he eventually understood what the purpose was behind this mission. Why did his father send him there? As a child, he grew up in the lap of luxury. He was so privileged. He had everything he ever wanted. And in fact, that made him used to a particular lifestyle, a very narrow perspective on life. Because there was so much that he did not know, that he wasn't familiar with. He was completely unaware of what regular human beings experience on a daily basis. How would such a narrow-minded person be able to become the next king? How would he ever relate to his subjects, to the people who lived in his land, and understand what they endure, what their lifestyles like? So by him traveling and living outside of the palace, he expanded his, his horizons. He matured. So while that was a setback, it actually led to exponential growth, to personal development for himself. And in many ways, I think we do the same. Despite our fears, we strike out our own new path and it all works out. Everything works out for the good because the only way to achieve success is to leave our comfort zone and take that risk. You know how the old saying goes, you can't discover new oceans unless you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. My friends, this is something we need to be able to do. And we need to go out there and see a little bit and understand what risks we take, break our barriers, our limitations. We read about our exodus from Egypt. Of course, 
There's a personal liberation from Egypt that we need to experience, breaking out of our own constraints, limitations, boundaries. Until Roger Bannister, whoever broke the four-minute mile, they thought it's impossible. The founder of the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, he actually told this story. And he taught that this story is a parable, an analogy that we could learn that could be drawn between the prince and our soul. And so the Baal Shem Tov taught us that intuitively, when we think about ourselves, we think of birth as the beginning of a journey. But the Baal Shem Tov said, Jewish tradition teaches that part of us is actually immortal. That is our neshama, our soul. It existed before we were born, and our soul will live on long after we pass away. And that's what we mean when we talk about the soul, as the neshama, that it's eternal, it's everlasting. The soul actually, according to Jewish teachings, is hesitant, it's even afraid to come down here from heaven to earth. The soul, before it's born, is residing up on high in a spiritual orbit where God is revealed, where holiness is manifest. And there on high, it revels, it luxuriates in God's presence. And then just imagine when the soul is dispatched to earth to enter this foreign plane. It's a, it's a, it's a culture that's foreign, that's coarse, that's, that's very different from what it's used to. Mi Igra Rama Libira Muka will explain that in a moment when we'll be right back. Hi FM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Salt of Soul from Mi Igra Rama Libira Muka. Our sages tell us from the highest rooftop to the deepest pit, just like the prince in our story, we experience this shocking descent and it's a distressing experience for our souls. And so the power of nigun is the ability to take that deep breath, to go deep into ourselves, and to, so to say, go out of ourselves a little bit. And when you sing a nigun, when you pay attention to the nigun, and we realize we have our own struggles, our own, our own soul experiences, a complicated struggle on a daily basis, great highs, deep lows. But if we take the time to contemplate the encouraging notes within the Nigunim and realize that although our soul perhaps experiences a tremendous plummet, there is a purpose. Every descent is for a eventual ascent. And if we actually tap into it, if you've been studying the daily Tanya these days, we see that if we use our depression, our melancholy, our, our sad feelings in the correct way, then we could turn our falls into much greater heights, into greater climbs. It could take us to much higher places. You think... Just imagine yourself strolling along a path. You're enjoying God's beautiful nature, as the commercial a moment ago was telling us. And you notice some odd-looking obstacles between two and three feet high, lying across the path, blocking your way. You just can't go ahead. And all of a sudden, your mind just commutes 
the size, no matter your age and stage. Well, of course, when you're younger, it's a little easier. And you realize that what you need to do is to gain some traction and jump over that obstacle, that object. But if you're just standing right in front of it, what do you do? You realize you have to go back a little bit. And sometimes we go back a few steps. And then we run as hard and fast as we can. And we generate that momentum to jump over the obstacle. Of course, when you go backwards, you're not disappointed because you realize you didn't turn back because you failed to reach your goal. You fell back in order to spring forward. Falling back was part of your forward progress. And when we realize that, we realize that the importance of our soul coming here into this world is not a descent. Maybe it feels like it. It feels like I'm no longer in the celestial realm above. But the purpose is, you read the Litzorah Aliyah, we fall back in order to get the momentum to move forward again. You think of a rubber band. If you want to propel it forward, you first need to pull it backwards. And the further back you pull it, the further it will be propelled when it's released. Right? This is a basic rule of physics. And it applies to soul physics too. When the soul falls back, it's enabled to spring forward. And that's true. You know, the fact is that, yes, it's true that we came from a beautiful holy realm above. Where we were close to God and basking in spirituality. But if we want to draw even closer to God, then we need to fulfill our purpose, our mission of why we came here into this world. There are no mitzvahs, there's no good deeds that one could perform on high in the spiritual realm. You can't help a friend in need. You can't observe Shabbos without a physical corporeal body. There are only, those things can only be done right here on earth in this physical world. Every time we do something kind, our soul gains a connection to God that it cannot have achieved otherwise. We don't just spring forward ourselves. We bring the part of the world that we inhabit along with us. And every time we use something in our vicinity for a good deed, for a mitzvah, we bring holiness to what previously was mundane. We introduce God into a domain that was formerly godless. The whole world springs forward with us. So once the soul gets the this idea, once we understand and appreciate it, then our whole perspective changes. We realize that whatever descents we experience in life is all for a higher purpose. And it's very well worthwhile. It was a springboard to help us grow and develop and become much better. But of course, we sometimes still experience setbacks and the soul could be homesick here in this world. So my suggestion, ladies and gents, is to come join us on Tuesday and Wednesday where you will get the experience of Nigun, of Jewish music, in honor of Rosh Chodesh Adar, and you will learn how to tap into that element of your soul and allow the music, Negina, to uplift you to the highest and greatest of planes. Looking forward to seeing you, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure joining you here on Chai FM today, Soul to Soul. My friends, remember our message here. As we always say, remember to aspire to inspire before 
you expire. Carpe diem, have a great day, and a lekka Shabbos.